Taylor Swift has been named Time Magazine's 2023 Person of the Year, telling Time it felt like the breakthrough moment of her career. The title goes to an event or person considered to have had the most influence on global events in the past year. This year's Swift's Errors Tour broke box office records and she was named the most streamed female artist in the history of Spotify and Apple Music. Swift beat other candidates, including China's President Xi Jinping, Vladimir Putin and Barbie for the coveted cover. Well, I mean, shout out to my very good friend, uh, very good personal friend and reader of the Daily Peel, obviously, Taylor Swift. Of course, winning the person of the year this year. It's about time. As you can see, I figured it was a good day to bring her along for the stream so we could hang out a little bit while we talk to you guys. We'll see if she has any comments that she wants to provide later, but she's a little bit shy, as I'm sure you guys know. Uh, so we'll see what we can do on that front. But still, congrats to Taylor. We'll talk about it a little bit more later on. We got some stuff to get into beforehand. Of course, we are coming at you live from the Daily Peel Global headquarters here today. We're getting a personal concert from this year's Time Magazine Person of the Year, Taylor Swift. So that's exactly where you see me here today. Now, uh, in addition to coming at you live from the Daily Peel Global headquarters, it is currently 9.13 a.m. here on this beautiful Thursday morning, December 7th, 2023, it looks like. Uh, so, of course, we're going to be going over markets yesterday. We're, t we're coming at you live before market opens here today, which is what we try to do every day, believe it or not, because it happens very rarely. Uh, but it looks like we're going to be able to do it pretty frequently going forward here. So let's get into yesterday's news so that you guys know what's going on for us here today. Daily Peel number 601. Let's go ahead and take a look. Like I said, we're going to be talking about Taylor Swift a little bit at the end. But before we get to that, we got some other stuff to cover. We got some jobs data in addition to the more jobs data that's going to be coming out later this week. Really beating you guys over the head with that this week. But it is the most important thing in markets going on right now. Uh, and so I think it's worthwhile despite the fact that, you know, we've been talking about it seemingly incessantly for the past two weeks or so. Either way, Campbell's Soup and Robin Hood had a fairly ripe day. While Box and British American Tobacco, one of the coolest companies around. I mean, come on. They had a tough day yesterday. We'll get into all of that down below as well. Now, for major indexes yesterday, it was a fairly, it was another Pinot Noir day, a little light red. NASDAQ lost 58, NASDAQ lost 58 basis points. I promise I can speak English. Uh, but if we go ahead and take a look down at WSO Alpha, the room temperature IQs, they did pretty good. The portfolio only fell 23 basis points, outperforming the NASDAQ index for the day simply by losing less money. Great job to the team over there. Let's, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of losing less money. So let's see if we can continue that going. Yields continue their streak of boringness. I mean, it wasn't really too much action going on yesterday for them to be able to react to. Basically a flat day. I mean, the two years right around 4.6, 10 years right around 4.2. It's still heavily inverted. Not much to go over there. Let's take a look at some of the day's biggest stories here. So one thing that nobody seemed to be able to shut up about was the uh, Wall Street's new obsession with Nikki Haley, one of the GOP presidential candidates. Of course, we don't get political over here, but Wall Street is absolutely blowing up her bank account, including people like Reid Hoffman, who traditionally donate, uh, only make mega donations to Democratic candidates. But still, interesting stuff going on there. If you're a political fiend, uh, like everybody else in this country seems to be, feel free to go ahead and check that out. Now, speaking of Wall Street, the CEOs actually pulled up to Congress yesterday. We had Jamie Dimon, we had Jane Frazier. Uh, we had all the big names going in there and saying, hey, please don't regulate us. Also, big shocker, Jamie Dimon came out with a statement saying that uh, the government should effectively just shut down the cryptocurrency industry. I mean, wonder if he has any incentives to save that, like $2 trillion in assets under USD denomination. So, you know, take that as you will. Either way, former Speaker of the House of Representatives as well, Kevin McCarthy, has officially announced he won't be seeking re-election once he gets the boot uh, at the end of his term, whatever that is. 
Now, if you guys don't remember, Kevin McCarthy had one of the most humiliating exits from the Speaker of the House positions uh, in history. I mean, I think it's only happened twice in U.S. history with him being the second time. So it was pretty embarrassing to see. I don't blame him for shoving the tail between the legs and getting out before things get worse. But speaking of things not getting worse, let's go ahead and take a look at the exact opposite. We found Goldilocks, and believe it or not, it wasn't Taylor Swift winning Person of the Year, despite the fact that she looks exactly like what I imagined Goldilocks to look like. Uh, but either way, if we go ahead and take a look at the jobs data that came out yesterday, it really was pretty much a, uh, a somewhat of a Goldilocks period. Obviously, nothing's ever going to be perfect, but it was pretty sweet. And we do have a bit of a, a short clip to kind of go over that, go over the ADP numbers here. I believe we're going to be able to pull that up and play it now. Let's also start the morning with some latest labor data points that have just dropped. ADP employment, that coming out this morning. Private employers, they added 103,000 jobs in November, according to data from ADP. The robust labor market of 2023 finally cooling as we head into the winter. A sign that the Fed's efforts to slow the economy are taking hold. But will that slowdown come at the cost of consumer spending? Here to answer that question for us, we've got Josh Schaefer joining us here at the table. Josh, you've had some time to really dig into these numbers this morning. Yeah, Brad, I mean, at a high level, it's the kind of ADP report you wanted to see based on what we saw from Jolt's data yesterday. Of course, that Jolt's data from October, the ADP data from November. But we're looking for evidence of a soft landing, right? Some signs of labor market cooling, maybe wages coming down, but wages still being higher than inflation. This checks all of those boxes. So in theory, it's sort of, okay, on to the next one yeah. when you think about it that way. One thing, though, that I think is interesting to highlight here, and ADP does a great job. Jesus, wow, that guy was handsome. I mean, doesn't it just make you feel terrible when they're more handsome than you and they're more famous like that? But whatever. Nonetheless, let's keep on going. We can put my insecurities to the side for now. We got to get into this data a little bit. Let's go ahead and take a look at the actual report itself. This is what we got, 103,000 jobs added in November. We also got a revision lower for the month of October to 106,000. So as you can see, coming off the pandemic lows, job gains were rapid. They were coming up swift, no pun intended. Uh, but it looks like we're starting to slow down here now. We can see that really take effect in about June of this year. And now we're definitely getting into the point where that rate of slowdown is certainly picking up. We can see small companies as well as the biggest companies are the ones uh, doing most of the hiring out here it's these weird little mid-sized ones that are kind of in that range that are struggling a little bit but the smaller you are or the bigger you are seems to be working out pretty well we go ahead and take a look down we can see trade transportation and utilities led the way financial activities way to go apes i mean we're looking pretty good out there we added eleven thousand jobs last month i mean i'm sure you didn't get one but still either way a lot of people did once again shout out to all my december grads good luck in this job market it's going to be a tough time for you uh, but of course Check out the WSO Academy if it's getting too tough. I mean, just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. Why not? But that wasn't the only data we got yesterday. One that didn't get nearly as much coverage as it probably should have was the productivity report as well. I know this is the biggest eyesore that you've ever seen. My eyes are bleeding along with you, but let's go ahead and take a look. We'll only suffer through it for a little bit. Non-farm business sector labor productivity increased 5.2%. Labor productivity is essentially a function of output weighted against time spent uh, actually at work. So increasing 5.2% suggests that output was able to increase at a much rapid rate, at a much more rapid rate than average work. And that's exactly what we see in the second line down here. Output increased 6.1%, average work increased 0.9%. Subtract that 0.9% from 6.1, and that's how you get that productivity figure. Uh, so basically, employees are doing great. Your coworkers did a great job last quarter. Obviously, you know what you did. We don't have to talk about that right now, but everybody else is doing a great job. 
with this comes along an analysis of unit labor costs as well, which is, you know, directly related to wages. It's not, wages. there's still other things that come along with it, like benefits and all that other nonsense that, uh, you know, certain individuals would get from their employers and stuff like that. We saw non, we saw non-farm business, uh, private sector unit labor costs decrease 1.2% in the third quarter, reflecting a 3.9% increase in hourly compensation, 5.2% increase in productivity. So compensation was still increased, but at a lower rate than overall productivity, meaning the cost for that output was relatively lower uh, by about 1.2%. That should pump the brakes on inflation a little bit more because what we've been seeing is, of course, this wage push inflation. And so that's what we've been talking about all year. Obviously, j wants you to be poor. He doesn't want you to have a job. So he was very happy to see this slowdown. It's exactly kind of achieving that Goldilocks period in the sense that we're seeing things slow down with labor costs still declining. So we're adding jobs, but labor costs are still going lower. That's exactly what we want to see because here in the U.S. economy, we are totally subject to the whims and the wills of the consumer and their spending habits. Uh, we don't typically really see a slowdown unless people start getting laid off. And while we're still near that 40 or 50 year low in unemployment, probably not going to be seeing that anytime soon. So it's a bit of a Goldilocks report in the sense that things are slowing down, but still moving in the right direction on both the job front and the inflation front. Of course, we love to see that. Speaking of things you love to see, of course, shareholders in these companies, specifically Campbell Soup and Robinhood, love to see that performance yesterday. Campbell Soup, I mean, this is, who doesn't love Campbell Soup? You remember those days being sick, staying home from school, and your mom would chef up some chicken noodle or whatever other nonsense you guys eat. I mean, those were just the best days possible. Made me look forward to being sick, Campbell Soup. They had a pretty solid quarter, reporting 91 cents a share versus the 88 cents a share that was expected, while sales of $2.5 billion came right in line with expectations. Nobody really gives up on Campbell's, regardless of how hard the economic situation is going to get. Not that we're in a bad period or anything, but consumers are clearly being a little bit more selective with their spending. Nobody's going to stop buying Campbell's, however, because I'm pretty sure this stuff is the real cure to colds and flu flus and stuff like that. And Dayquil, I mean, that seems like nonsense. It definitely doesn't taste nearly as good as some good old chicken noodle. Let's take a look at Robinhood, however. One of my least favorite companies, personally, I mean, these absolute scumbags managed to rise 7.03% yesterday. Seems like analysts over at Mizuho hated a lot less than I do. They didn't really change anything. They reiterated their buy rating, came out and said that the month of November and the strong performance from the crypto market should be able to boost Robinhood into the next quarter. Personally, I hope they go bankrupt, uh, but that's just me. I'll never forget what they did to us back in the day, back when GME and all that stuff was going on. Uh, that's going to be tough for them to live down, but investors were loving it yesterday. So we'll see if that can continue. We're not going to get another report for them for a good couple of months, but fingers crossed that they crash and burn, at least personally. Obviously, tell me how wrong I am about that opinion in the comments down below. Now let's go ahead and take a look at Box. I mean, the lazy, laziest named company I've ever seen in my life. Uh, essentially, they came out and reported a rather weak earnings report it was you know it was fairly decent it came in almost in line with expectations of 36 cents a share on 262 million versus expectations for 38 cents a share on 264 million so it came in close but a miss is a big miss at a market like this plus guidance was pretty garbage as well so that's kind of what investors have been worried about is seeing what's going to happen going forward with relation to the bet they're getting caught up in the heat of this uh b2b spending slowdown obviously investors weren't too pleased British American Tobacco, the maker of one of the coolest products out there, cigarettes. I mean, who doesn't love them, right? I'm just kidding, guys. Please don't go out and smoke cigarettes. Obviously, drug cigs don't count, but besides that, you know, do what you will. British American Tobacco, however, is taking a massive write-off of their U.S. cigarette business, $31.5 billion, mostly because nobody's cool enough to smoke cigarettes anymore, and additionally, because we do have a looming menthol ban, and 
Uh, British American Tobacco is the owner of Newport and other brands like that, Newport being the largest menthol provider in the United States. Don't ask me how I know that. And certainly don't tell my parents that I do know that. Uh, but either way, that's what we saw yesterday, $31.5 billion write-off. That's going to hit net income, but it's it's a non-cash charge, so it's going to make net income look bad for the next quarter, but it's not actually going to affect any cash flows. This is the kind of thing that's better to do sooner than later than when the market kind of forces you to do. So in the long term, this might be a smart move, but obviously investors hated it yesterday. Uh, but let's go on down to the story of the day and the reason I'm hanging out with my very good friend Taylor Swift here. The person of the year 2023 is Taylor Swift. Let's go ahead before we dive into things and take a look at some other recent persons of the year as well. So I asked ChatGPT to list me some of the most some of the most uh, uh, interesting people that have won it before. Charles Lindbergh was the very first back in 1927, followed by Gandhi. We can skip the next couple of people here, rather unsavory characters, before we get to Winston Churchill, uh, Queen Elizabeth, JFK. Now, a lot of really cool stuff, but if we go ahead and take a look down below at some of the more recent letters, you'll quickly discover that, hey, you've actually won the person of the year before. So this is technically Taylor Swift and everybody after 2006. You're going to win it the second time if you were alive in 2006, of course. Uh, it's going to be your second win here. So for Taylor Swift, this was her second time winning it. Also, her second time on the cover because back in 2017, the Silence Breakers, representatives of the hashtag MeToo movement, were on the cover, included people like Taylor Swift. Uh, for whatever bullshit went down with Scooter Braun. I don't give a fuck what's going on there. But either way, apparently some shit went down and she re-recorded all of her songs. Great stuff. I mean, you know, whatever. Be that as it may. We go ahead and take a look at some of the most recent winners. We have Greta Thunberg in 2019. Uh, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris 2020, winning that election. Elon won it in 2021. And then it was Zelensky in 2022. Which I don't know why ChatGPT isn't telling me that because its last update was April 2023. So it absolutely should know. And then we had Taylor Swift this year. Now, she definitely filled a bit of a blank space on her resume because although she had won it before, uh, she definitely had to fill it up this time just to get it in one more time. And now she knows what it's like to be the person of the year all too well, some might say. Uh, I'll start with the Taylor Swift song, Punts for Now. Now, it really does seem like the deciding factor in her winning this was starting to be one of the greatest tight ends in football history. First ballot Hall of Famer, Travis Kelsey. Not on my fantasy team this year. He has been in the past. I desperately wish he was again. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, believe it or not, some of the contenders that Taylor Swift were up against are actually people that we talk about on a daily basis. Some people that I'm even closer personal friends with than I am with Taylor Swift, including people like Jerome Powell. He was actually nominated. Uh, now, he didn't win J Person of the Year, but even if he did, he actually wouldn't have been the first uh, Central Bank president to actually go ahead and win it. If we take a look down here back in 2009, we got big old Ben Bernanke. Uh, that was basically the year the quantitative easing was invented, or at least first was kind of formulated, getting us out of the GFC. They gave it to Bernanke. Jay Powell didn't get that kind of credit for coming out of the pandemic, but obviously because Taylor Swift, I mean, she has just way too many bangers to forget about. So, you know, even if you're not a Taylor Swift fan, it's one of those things that you know all the words to shake it off. You know all the words to 22. Like, come on, give me a break here. Uh, but either way, it apparently took getting linked up with Travis Kelsey, I don't know if she did anything else this year, but she did have a bit of a concert tour going as well, apparently. I didn't hear anything about this at the time. I don't know if you guys did, but apparently it was basically the largest concert tour ever. Technically, that title still goes to Elton John for the highest grossing concert tour ever, but it's an absolute nonsense. He had five times the amount of shows and made just a little bit more revenue overall. Taylor's uh, average revenue per concert or average kind of ticket revenue was more than six times higher than Elton John, so we're going to give her the dub. Plus, if you went ahead and Google Taylor Swift's boyfriend's name, just said Travis Kelsey, 
every single story that comes up mentions Taylor beforehand, except this one down here. This is a very blurry image, so we do apologize for that. But you guys have Google. Go ahead and check it out for yourselves. Once again, congratulations to Taylor. Thanks for coming into the studio with me here today. Before I let you go, Taylor, though, we got to check out the quote of the day. Wise investor, Mr. Larry Summers, he came up here and said, most investors want to do today what they should have done yesterday. Talking about playing catch up, chasing things, uh, certainly chasing fame like Taylor Swift is, you know. Just kidding. She actually got her first deal signed when she was 14 years old. So she has nothing to chase. She's been in the game for way too long. I don't want to block her out anymore before we leave. So shout out to the Queen of Pop, and we will see you guys tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. Happy trading. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time. 